You're listening to The Calling. Last week, we concluded our parable of the sower as we investigated and looked into the meanings of individual growth from the condition of our heart, which in turn promotes growth within the body of Christ. This week, I've had it laid on me to review and discuss the effects of prayer on our life. To be honest, I'm not entirely sure how far we'll go down this road, but rest assured the Holy Spirit is in the driver's seat. We're going to start with this theme by reviewing a difficult topic to process both within and outside the body of Christ, which is when our prayers are not answered with our desired outcome. We've discussed prayer in the context of how to pray, as well as the importance of having faith and having a spiritually conditioned heart when praying. But rarely do we talk about when prayers aren't answered as the way we want. Specifically, I'm talking about the prayers that involve life and death of our loved ones. Sure, we can agree that the default answer is God's will, but no one experiencing the death of a child wants to hear God's will. Nobody delivering a eulogy for their spouse's untimely death wants to be reminded of God's will. And for those of us who are maturing in our faith, we want to know more. God's will is difficult for us to process because we live in the here and now. So we hunger for those answers from our Heavenly Father. As we review this topic this week, I'm going to do my best to share my thoughts and perspective on a topic that is often cast aside or saved for funerals. As we explore unanswered prayers, please allow your heart soil to be prepared for God's Word. Lord willing, we're going to continue to grow together in Christ. One of the first things we are taught as we enter our faithful relationship with God is to pray. Our children learn that now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep prayer. They learn at dinner time, you say God is grace, God is good, and we thank Him for our food. As they grow, we learn the Lord's Prayer. And depending on your Christian affiliation, there are several other prayers that you're taught that can be recited. As we get older, though, and the world enters as the top contender for our time and influence, our prayer life transitions, doesn't it? We start to make prayers more personal based on our specific needs of the now. I don't have any studies in front of me, but I'm willing to bet most of the prayers asked after the age of 17 revolve around our wants and perceived needs. Furthermore, I would also wager that throughout our life, we pray more when we're going through the fire, when our occupation, our health, loved one, a relationship, whatever is in jeopardy, we pray more and more intensely. I know I have, and in fact, I've prayed in all those categories I just mentioned. I've prayed for God's divine intervention throughout. I was 18 years old when my grandfather was dying due to a losing battle with prostate cancer. I remember praying and crying, God, please heal my grandfather. Give me just a little more time with the most influential person of my life shortly after he passed away. And throughout the years, I've prayed for friends and their ailments, strangers and their requests, personal requests out the wazoo. And has God responded the way I wanted to all of them? No. But it's the answer that we don't want that stings the most. I remember not long ago, I'd been informed of a tragedy involving a young family involved in a car accident. And it left them in critical condition. Now, to be clear, I don't know this family, 
I don't know their name. I don't know really anything else about it except for the critical situation and the circumstances surrounding this crash. But that didn't stop me from being overwhelmed with an urge to pray. I stopped what I was doing and prayed intensely. And this prayer was was different. And by different, I mean in all my prayer time, I've never prayed so focused and intensely. I'm talking sweat, tears, unprompted scripture just flowed from me as I lifted this family up, begging God for his mercy and divine intervention. Certainly, you can relate to praying during the struggle, right? I mean, you're listening to a Christian podcast, so surely by now you've prayed. Or at least I hope you have. So reflect on your own prayer life. When do you encounter praying the most? Do you pray the most focused during times you encounter struggle and trials of your life? I bet you do. Has God always blessed you with that desired outcome? If he has, amen to that. You are truly blessed. If not, you're not alone. And you know what? You're still blessed. But it's those circumstances that really get our human emotions flowing, our anger, our sadness, our grief, our confusion, all these things stream from our prayer life. So with that, let us refocus our minds and invite the Holy Spirit into our hearts as we explore the concept of an unanswered prayer. Now, we've reviewed prayer and how to pray in previous podcasts, and if you've missed it, please feel free to check it out. And if you can't find it, send an email to the underscore calling at hotmail.com and we can send these episodes directly to you. But here's some cliff notes on prayer. We're taught through scripture the model prayer in Matthew chapter 6, also known as the Lord's Prayer. We're taught when to pray and the purpose of praying. Philippians chapter 4 teaches us not to be anxious but to pray and let God know our requests. Mark chapter 11 and John chapter 15 teach us to have faith and our prayers will be answered. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 instructs us to pray without ceasing. Matthew chapter 6 teaches us to pray in privately. And Romans chapter 8 calls on us to call out the Holy Spirit. For we do not know what to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. James communicates for us to seek God's wisdom and confessing our sins to each other and and communicating directly in chapter 5 that the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Luke chapter 11 tells us to ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find it. Knock and it will be opened to you. And there is no shortage of scripture to define prayer and to be clear. Prayer is not limited to this condensed list of examples. And to help us grow and challenge our perspective, we're going to look at two prayers that Jesus had prayed in his life that focus on life and suffering. So to begin, travel with me to Matthew chapter 26. And it's important to know, at this time, Jesus knew his suffering was truly about to begin. And as he prayed the night before, we learn that he's distressed, which prompted him to go off by himself. And if you look at Matthew chapter 26 and in verse 39, it's written, He went on a little further and bowed his face to the ground, praying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will be done and not mine. In this one moment, Jesus demonstrates his humanity side of life. He petitions God for intervention, not once, not twice, but three times. And Jesus doesn't just ask God. 
And if you look at Mark's account in chapter 14, he cries out, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will be done, not mine. At this moment, Jesus is asking God to take the cup of suffering away, much like you and I do every time we live through the trial of life. I mean, think about it. How often have we cried out to Father, asking Him to take away our suffering? And Jesus isn't just asking, He's pleading. And in Luke chapter 22, that account states that He prayed more fervently, and it was such agony of the Spirit that His sweat fell to the ground like drops of blood. In other words, he prayed with such a passion and such a desire to have this cup of suffering removed that he was sweating that like blood down his face. Of course, we know what happens next. God's response is that he suffers. Now, let us really process what's going on because let's look back now. Prior to this prayer, Jesus experienced the death of his friend Lazarus chased out of his hometown, tested by the devil himself, under continuous scrutiny, expected to validate who he is every time he comes into town. He's arrested because he's betrayed by a friend. He's denied by another. And then he experiences the most torturous death. And you think Jesus can't relate to your struggle? Now what sets this specific prayer apart from others is that this is a prayer for continued life. Now, I'm not suggesting that Jesus didn't want to die and didn't want to go through this. He knew what the plan was. He set the example of following God's will. And when we don't have the answer or when and God elects for us to suffer, we become upset. Sure, Jesus understood, said, your will be done, and then gave us the example that God's will be done. That doesn't make it any easier for us when we're suffering. Now, to help us retain this prayer concept, let's back it up. I referenced Lazarus just a moment ago. And in John chapter 11, we learn Jesus' friend Lazarus has died from illness. Jesus weeps for him. This is his friend. He's upset. His sister Martha, she's grieving, and it reads as if she's upset with Jesus for being late But then we're taught this key concept. And in John chapter 11 and verse 25, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Do you believe this, listener? Amen. Now, I'm sure you have prayed for circumstances of this life. You have pleaded for God to intervene. And when God doesn't intervene the way you want, you become angry. You question God's presence in our life and allow yourself to blame and to grieve. You become so wrapped up in your own individual circumstance while attempting to process and understand why something did or did not happen. You lose sight that you have continued life through your faith in Jesus Christ. Wow. You have continued life. Now, I also want to point out, 
Yes, we know that Jesus resurrects Lazarus. But you know what happens to Lazarus? He's murdered. They kill him because of of what Jesus did for him. Lazarus dies on earth anyway. Because that's our cycle here. We're not living for the world today. We're living to carry out for a God who will give us eternal life. When I finished that intense prayer and regained consciousness, I had hope for this family. I felt good. I said amen and regained consciousness. I was like, wow, that was amazing. I felt good. God's going to demonstrate his, his mercy here. 16 hours later, I learned that the child involved in the accident had died. And when I learned this information, I grieved and prayed to God, communicating my anger, my confusion, my disbelief surrounding this tragedy. Not because I knew them, but as a parent, feel for these people. Furthermore, I had prayed specifically, and I I felt it. It was a raw emotional prayer. God didn't give the outcome that I was seeking. I bet God didn't give the outcome those parents were seeking either. And as a result, my next prayer was laced with an emotional rebuttal. That's how it works, isn't it? We pray, we cry, we sweat, we squirm with angst in the hope that God hears us. And when he doesn't answer the way we want, we think he didn't. That we're ignored. Here's perspective. There are no unanswered prayers. Only altered perception on the situation. God's will be done. This extends beyond our comprehension because we are living for the here and now. God wants us to live and align ourselves with his will for the tomorrow of eternal life in Jesus Christ. The loss and the denial we experience during this prayer opportunity allows and promotes growth in our relationship with God. Looking back on these prayers that Jesus sent, pleading for his cup, a suffering to be taken away, God's response was for Jesus to experience the suffering. And as this specific trial Jesus undergoes, and as he's hanging on the cross, he cries out to God again. He cries out, God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And this is in Matthew chapter 27, 46. Such an emotional time. Our Lord and Savior is hanging there, tortured on a cross, and asked God, Why have you abandoned me? Why have you forsaken me? How many of us at the height of our crisis and grief or struggle cry out to God asking, Why? Where are you? Why him? Why me? Why have you forsaken me? Why have you left me? And in that moment, we lose sight of our purpose and hold on to God's intervention. Just as Jesus cried out, God reminded him, he's right there. And at that moment, Jesus cried out, God mercifully brought Jesus home. Life is our trial. The events and circumstances and people throughout our life loved ones, family, all provide us the opportunity to celebrate and praise God and God's love in our own life. 
to acknowledge this daily blessing we receive each and every day, we wake up with a new opportunity to serve God. This in no way removes the real emotion associated with loss and experiences that result from our prayers not being answered the way we want them to be. There's nothing I'm going to be able to say to you to take away your pain or to offer clarity on your situation. Only God can do that. Only God can provide that relief, and He's patiently waiting for you to seek Him out. This week, I want you to reflect on your life and ask yourself, everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this? I want you to communicate your love to the people in your life, understanding that tomorrow may not be there for you, for them, and to ensure they know that you love them. Let your life speak love. If you've lost someone in your life, stop and pray and give thanks to God for the time and the opportunity that you had for them in your life and carry on the memory through your loving actions towards other people. If you're struggling with the outcome of a situation in your life and feel that God has forsaken you, please spend time reading God's word. Spend time understanding it and retaining it and accepting it. Embrace each other with love of Christ and begin to reach those who feel forgotten. And Lord willing, over the next few weeks, we'll examine this topic even further. Amen. Amen. After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can glorify back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into glory we shared before the world began. I have revealed to you, to the ones who gave me this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me and they kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you. For I have passed it on to them, the message you gave to me. They accepted it and know that I came from you and they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you have given me. I guarded them so that no one was lost except one headed for destruction, as the scriptures foretold. Now I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world, so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. 
I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for those who will ever believe in me through their message. Pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us, so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed them to you and I will continue to do so then your love for me will be in them and I will be in them amen God is calling you to live by his will will you answer